Tonight, God's Word comes to us from Genesis chapter 18. Genesis 18, and we're going to be reading just the first 15 verses of this chapter tonight. Genesis chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's Word. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought. And wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree, while I bring a morsel of bread, that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah, and said, Quick, three seas of fine flour, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, but you did laugh. Here we in the reading of God's holy word. Well, we continue our study in this second section in the book of Genesis, a section about the faithfulness of Abraham's God. A God who came to Abraham, made promises to him, A God who would assure him that he would fulfill his promises. Tonight, we get more of the story of God's working with Abraham. And really, in a a new way, uh, Sarah is brought into the story tonight. We really haven't heard much about Sarah. She was introduced to us back in chapter 16, but really she didn't play a leading role there. Hagar was the one who was playing the leading role there. Uh, Here, for the first time, We really have Sarah come into the story, and she will hear for herself the promises of God for her and Abraham. God had been dealing with Abraham, but we have no record that he told Sarah what was going to happen. Now she hears with her own ears. And as I look at this text again, I find myself greatly comforted by the fact that Sarah, uh, almost unwilling to believe what the Lord had said, and yet God is not finished with Abraham and Sarah. 
but he continues to reassure them, to strengthen them in their faith. We are only dealing with half of this chapter tonight. This chapter really can be divided uh, by the two main questions that are asked in the chapter. The second of those questions we'll look at next Sunday from verse 25. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Questioning God's justice. Tonight we look at the question given to us in verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? It is a text that reassures us we have a God who is almighty. We have a God who is all-powerful. We have a God who is not limited by what we can imagine that He can do, but a God who absolutely fulfills all of His purposes for His glory. As I um, worked with this text this past week, I, I remember this story from you know, being told in Sunday school, the story of, of Abraham and Sarah and, and the, the visitors, and um, I had to kind of uh, reevaluate uh, how I understood the story. I think I had some images in my mind that perhaps came more from Sunday school papers than from the text itself. So if there's a few things tonight that are a little different than we might expect, I, I think this is a faithful understanding of the text um, by looking at, at the, the sources that, that describe the text, but maybe a little different than we're used to, to hearing what took place in the story. We, we begin with, uh, with the Lord appearing to Abram. Verse, uh, verse uh, 1, The Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. Well, these, these visitors that come to Abraham certainly are uh, not expected at that time. We read that these visitors come in the heat of of the day. Uh, don't forget, they're living in the desert. Uh, we lived in the desert for 14 years in Arizona. And uh, you do not travel in the heat of the day. Uh, you travel early in the morning, or you travel late at night, but you just don't travel in the heat of the day in the desert. That's not when traveling is done. So these visitors are not expected by Abraham, but he sees them and notice what he sees. He sees three men standing there in front of him. Again, I seem to remember from my past the image of these men kind of walking past. And Abram goes out and approaches them. But no, they come to him. These three men come and they stand in front of Abram. Now, what's the big deal about, about them standing there and him responding to them? It reminds us once again that God is the one who initiates the contact. God initiates the conversation. It's not as if Abram is out looking for somebody he can take care of. But God comes to him. Even at an unexpected time, God comes and will reveal himself to Abraham. At God's uh, initiation, Abraham then responds. We read in verse 2, He saw them, he ran to the tent door, from the tent door to meet them, bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little bit of water be brought, wash your feet, rest yourself under the tree. I'll get some bread for you that you might be refreshed. The Lord comes to Abraham and he responds with service. He responds with humility. He shows hospitality to these visitors. 
Let me get some water to wash your feet. Let me get, let me get some food for you and take care of you. Sit and relax, and I'll get some food for you. Abraham says, you sit and relax, I'll get some food. He goes in the tent and says, Sarah, start baking. Things haven't changed that much. Sarah is there, and she's inside the tent, and she's doing the baking. And Abraham goes out, and he gets a calf, and he has someone prepare that calf, and he brings the calf and the curds and all these things and sets them before the men. And then Abraham, still humbling himself, stands there. We read verse 8. He stood by them under the tree while they ate. He serves them. He humbles himself before them. He won't even, even eat with them, but he allows them to eat first while he stands along to the side. It is then that, uh, that the Lord inquires of Abraham. Verse 9. They said to him, where is Sarah your wife? Interesting question. We're not told that Abraham uh, said Sarah's name, uh, but they seem to know what Sarah's name is. Where is Sarah your wife? And we read, she's in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. And again, maybe this is from an image I have from my childhood in a, in a Sunday school paper, but I always kind of pictured Sarah is kind of, you know, sneaking up on him. She's kind of crouched down behind the tent, trying to hear what the men are talking about. Uh, but that's not what we get from the text. They were there to talk to Sarah. That's why they said, where's Sarah? They're not trying to keep this from her. So if it's a secret, and she has to kind of sneak up behind the tent and listen to what they're saying. No, she's standing there in the door of the tent. Oh, she's behind them, our text says. She's not trying to sneak up. They are there to reveal something to Sarah. This revelation is for her. Where is Sarah? Because we have a message for her. We know, oh Abraham, God has spoken to you. But now God will speak to Sarah. She will be brought in to hear for herself the promise of God, the promise of a son, a son to be born to her. They come unexpectedly, but they come to reveal something to Sarah. How does Sarah respond? Sarah hears what they have to say, and she simply can't believe it. Verse 10. Verse 12, excuse me. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Sarah simply can't believe it. She can't believe that this is actually what's going to happen. And, and her unbelief comes from looking at herself. She says, I am worn out. Look at me. Look at my body. I'm past childbearing years. This is impossible. It can't happen. They can say all they want, but it just simply can't happen. Her unbelief comes from looking at herself, from looking at her situation. Look at my husband. He's old too. But both of us, beyond the, 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 the years of bearing children, these things just don't happen. Sarah responds, looking at herself, looking at her situation. Sarah responds in the weakness of unbelief because she looked at herself to fulfill the promise of God. 
God had made the promise. You will have a son. And Sarah says, look, when I look at myself, my own situation, I simply can't believe it. It's not possible. And it is in that context that we have this wonderful question, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? It was not what Sarah could do that was an issue, but what could the Lord do? Is anything too hard for him? He will make a promise to Sarah, and he will see that he fulfills that promise. Even though she looks at herself and her weakness and says, it just can't happen. Is anything too hard for the Lord? A story like this, like I said, gives me great hope and great comfort. Because God's promises to care for his children, God's promises to care for you and to care for me, are not limited by whether or not we can imagine God doing it. They are not limited by what we can accomplish. When I look at myself and the issues that I face, my own sinfulness still remaining within me, and I say, I simply can't handle it. I can't accomplish it. I'm too frail. I'll never get past this one besetting sin. I remind myself, is anything too hard for the Lord? Yes, I'm called, you are called to battle against sin, our own pride, our own stubbornness, our own willfulness, but it is God who is at work. And God's power is not limited. Is anything too hard for God? When I look at difficult situations in my life, perhaps difficult situations in your life, uh, financial situations, medical situations, relationship situations, and we say, I, I, I simply don't know how to fix this. I don't have the capacity to make this thing better. I hear the words again, is anything too hard for the Lord? The difficult relationships in our lives are not limited by what we can accomplish to fix them. God is the one who is at work. Is anything too hard for God? And I remind myself, even when it comes to, to my own salvation, I see my sinfulness, I see my inability. But our salvation is not up to us to accomplish. It's not up, up to us to, to do enough to be pleasing in God's sight. We say, is anything too hard for the Lord? Yes, we are fallen. Yes, we are sinful, dead in sins. That is no obstacle for God. Is anything too hard for Him? We so often put our eyes on ourself, on what we can accomplish, when our eyes must be lifted heavenward. It's not about what we can do. It's about what God has done. He has sent His own Son, Jesus Christ, to secure our salvation, not simply offer us salvation, to secure our salvation. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Because our God is a great God, a glorious God. We have sung songs tonight that talk about God's greatness, about His power, 
The power of God to fulfill His Word. The power to fulfill His promises. And He gives us other reminders of that throughout the Scriptures. We think of elsewhere in the Old Testament of a birth that seemed uh, unbelievable. We think of the woman Hannah and her husband Elkanah, how they had no children, and yet God says, I will give you a child. And that child, Samuel, is born. Samuel means God has heard. It was not up to them, it was God's power that was at work. Is anything too hard for the Lord? God had promised to Abraham that his descendants would have the land of Canaan, yet they would go into captivity. Israel would be in Egypt, and it would seem impossible for them to get out. They were under the oppression of the Pharaoh. And it would take 400 years, but God would fulfill his word. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Oh, God would use his chosen men to do it. He would use Moses to accomplish his purposes, to bring them out of Egypt. He would use Joshua, his appointed man, to bring them into the promised land. But it was God. It was God who fulfilled his word. It was God who is at work. Is anything too hard for the Lord? We think forward to the New Testament. We think of another child that was born, the child to Mary. And she said, she said, how can this be? I know not a man. Looking at myself, this just isn't going to happen. But God's word would be fulfilled. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Jesus Christ would live a life among sinful men and women. He would die a cruel death on a cross. He would be put in a tomb and a stone rolled in front of it, and it looked like it was the end. The end of all the promises, the end of all the hoping. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Even death could not hold his son Jesus Christ. And he would be brought out of the grave victorious. And that resurrection, that belief in that res resurrected Jesus Christ is that which gives us hope, which gives us assurance. As we put our faith, our hope, our confidence in him, he is the one who has done everything necessary for our salvation. Nothing is too hard for God. And as we've said before, we can, we can be assured of God's work accomplishing eternal life for us but it still seems so hard to trust him in this life. We face trials. We have difficulties with our spouse. We don't see eye to eye. We can't seem to get along. We have a hard time communicating with each other. And, and we have to admit, left to ourselves, we're not going to fix it. But there is nothing too hard for God. We have, we have issues with our children. We have a hard time uh, talking with them. There's tension in the family. And we have to be humble and, 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 and work toward re reconciliation. But God must be at work. Our prayer is not, let's see what I can do about this. But God, you need to act. You need to work. You need to, to mend this relationship. Is anything too hard for the Lord? In the very real uh, physical things of life, we have a hard time... Uh, paying our mortgage. We have a hard time making the Christian school tuition payment. 
And we, it's so easy for us to look at our meager resources and forget we have a father who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Is anything too hard for the Lord? This text is a text of great assurance, a great comfort. We know that as we face the trials of life, and we will face trials in life, we do not face them alone. Sarah looked to herself, Sarah looked to her situation, and she was unable to find any way for there to be an answer to the problem. How often we do the same thing. I look to what I can accomplish. I look at my own resources and forget that God is the one who continues to work with his people. God has chosen a people for his very own. We are his children. He will certainly watch over and protect us as a father loves his children, so our God loves us. And Abraham and Sarah are assured God will certainly act. Look at verse 10. The Lord said, I will surely return to you this time next year. Again, I will return at the appointed time next year. This is going to happen. Sarah, you shall have a son. Don't put your eyes on yourself. Don't put your eyes on what you can do. Don't put your eyes on what you can even imagine. But fix your eyes firmly on God. God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, God, the one who loves his children. God, who has promised, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. We take great encouragement from a text like Genesis 18. Sarah, in her unbelief, looks to herself. And so often in our unbelief, we do the same thing. We must be hearing that same question resounding in the back of our heads. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Take your eyes off yourself. Place them firmly on the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who has secured our salvation. And be sure and know there is nothing too hard for our God. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we confess to you that we are often so weak and so frail. We look at difficulties in our life, troubles that we face, real hardships for us, and we say, I can't imagine how this can be solved. Oh, we confess our weakness. Help us, O oh God, to humble ourselves before you, to not be thinking that the solutions are limited by our imagination, for we know there is nothing too hard for you. You are the God who spoke and the world came into being. You are the God who continues by your providence to uphold all things. You are the God who loves your children. Give us encouragement. Give us hope. Give us comfort. To know that in your time, you will work all things out to bring the most glory to yourself and for our good. If we, O oh God, are in the midst of trial tonight, would you use your word to comfort us, to sustain us, and to assure us, for there is nothing too hard for you. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.
We turn to 315 in the Psalter hymnal. 315, O worship the King all glorious above, O gratefully sing His power and His love, our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise, O tell of His might, O sing of His grace, whose robe is the light, whose canopy space, His chariots of wrath the deep thunderclouds form, and dark is His path on the wings of the storm. We're gonna sing all four verses, 315. Let's stand together as we sing. Receive the parting blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.